been sold, I and my people, to be killed, annihilated. Welcome back to Hackberry House, podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted Church of North Korea. My name is Bob and this is podcast number 296. It is October 11, 2015. Today we're talking about some North Korean history, how it all began, how it continues, and uh, reading from Hackberry House, Volume 1, Two Years with North Korea by yours truly. That's available to you, and I can tell you about that later. We started through the 700-page book of Bradley Martin. It was called Under the Loving Care of the Fatherly Leader. Now, we we had actually started that uh, earlier in the book, but let's continue on with that. It was a very important resource, actually, for the time. How does an evil so great as North Korea saga get started? One place to start is the childhood of Kim Il-sung. Kim Il-sung grew up surrounded by Christianity, even in his own home but also under the oppression of the Japanese. He and his people had always longed to be free of foreign domination. So far, so good. We understand that. Coupled to his dream of Korean freedom was his military skill, though nothing like the mythology that he and his friends would write about himself. Still, the fact remains that he was somewhat successful in what They used to call guerrilla warfare. Most people have trouble saying no to success, right? Especially when it supports some deep inner longings. His military work had been done in Russia, so the Russians noticed him, approved of him, and decided to use him in Korea after the peninsula was tragically divided into two parts. They, of course... uh, taught him their communist ways. He learned, for example, how to take control of the wealth of a nation and redistribute it. Does that sound familiar in our day? When he applied his new knowledge of redistribution to the northern portion of Korea, the poor loved him for it and followed him slavishly. The rich who complained were eliminated. The others came on board and became the new ruling class, which communism never has, but always has. Young Kim, uh, that's not his name, I'm talking about Y-O-U-N-G, the the, uh, younger Kim soaked all this power in and longed for more. Power corrupts, they say. He began to need absolute obedience and lavish praise from his people. He was a man who never finished middle school. Suddenly, he's the king of the mountain. Poor Korea. They had never had a history of democracy. They were used to people just coming in and taking them over. And that's what Kim did. And he's still doing. Imagine... Two generations who've grown up thinking that Kim Il-sung-ism is normal. That's how this nightmare all started. One man who turned his back on Christ and the church. 
We'll move on to another piece here in the book that I'm reading. And I, those words, by the way, were mine, but I got the information from Bradley Martin. Well, I imagine most of my readers know that the Koreans, the Koreas, are, are living out the world's longest ceasefire. Never have the terms of peace been worked out and settled upon. Some even think the war is going to continue at any time, and you still hear threats even in, I think it was yesterday's news. The little man in Korea is threatening with his little weapons. In 1949, an energized Kim Il-sung tried to convince Russia's Stalin that the South needed invading South Korea. The U.S. was dropping hints that it was too strapped to protect Taiwan. The powers that were assumed that the powers that were assumed that that meant that they wouldn't put out a helping hand to South Korea either. Bad assumption. But it was one of the reasons Stalin gave his nod to the plan. It looked like uh, nobody was going to help South Korea. So the great Russian ogre himself stayed in the background, maneuvering dependent China to the fore. Kim actually believed that once the Liberation Army got south of the DMZ, down into Seoul and the rest of the country, hordes of disgruntled citizens would rise up and with him bring on the glorious day of communism to the entire peninsula. That was another bad assumption. Only a few brainwashed pockets of South Korean residents rose up to join Kim's considerable army. Just before his invasion in 1950, he made one last call for reunification. Now, that's a code word that to this day means communism controls all. We don't think of it that way. We'd like them to be reunified, but when they're talking about reunification, they mean that communism would be in charge, Juche. He asked for diplomats to come to Pyongyang, and he then attacked. But for a long time, his ill-informed citizenry believed he was responding to an expected attack from the south. He made his people believe that they were being besieged and then called on their patriotism to defeat America and the wicked brothers down below. Before American forces joined to the not-so-wonderful army in the south could get their act fully together, northern troops had pushed their way through most of the country. One last stand at Pusan in the far south kept Kim from taking the entire country for communism. We can say this miracle had something to do with American air power. Or we can give all glory to God who left a door of freedom open in the Koreas. I know my life would have been very different had Korea closed altogether. You see, I'm married to a former resident of Seoul. More on the Korean War another time. I invite you to join me in prayer for a people who have been in pain for most of their existence as a nation. Look at her history dating back really to the days of Abraham. Then look at what Christ is doing in the last 50 years in South Korea. And the contrast is so obvious. Blessed is the nation whose God 
is the Lord. On to the next article. Americans who know of the Korean War, chiefly through the MASH series, have been sorely misinformed about Korea. Hawkeye and company, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about when I talk about Hawkeye, an old series that was on for so many years, but is only on in the reruns now, now and then. You'll, you'll find it less and less, but it was a very popular program, M-A-S-H, has to do with a particular kind of medical unit that uh, existed and still exists, but especially during the days of the Korean War, uh, many of our people were me medically helping Koreans, whether north or south, if they were injured, and during this awful, awful hellish thing of the war. Well, Hawkeye and company were programmed in the script to make Americans hate the war and the government that sponsored it. It's unfortunate. But unless you are an underprivileged citizen of North Korea, you know that America and South Korea did not start the Korean War. You know that if America had not stepped in when it did, and as powerfully as it did, the entire Korean peninsula would look like the huge slave camp up in the north. Surely we hate war, but we love the liberty that it can provide. Peacemongers consistently forget this. Douglas MacArthur. Today he's equally maligned and praised by the peoples of the earth. He brings his forces behind the North Korean lines that were invading the South. He brings them to Incheon. The North is then wedged in between armies as there are already forces in the South. Eventually he pushes the enemy back across the DMZ that line that was supposed to divide North and South Korea, and still does, the DMZ, all the way to Pyongyang, even to the Chinese border. He had run the Koreans totally out of Korea, the North Koreans. We, we hear bits and pieces about what Kim Il-sung is up to during this time. His busts of Stalin, on whom he relies, do not prosper him. But he vows to fight to the end. There is to be no armistice. Let all the people die. We will not give up. Well, unfortunately, Stalin does give up. And to his chagrin, many North Koreans rise up to fight with the South when the reverse invasion takes place. North Koreans fighting with the South. Did you hear that? Yeah. China feels threatened though, and pushes back into North Korea, supported by Kim and his tired army, who are ready to resort to guerrilla warfare if need be. So Seoul is retaken by the North. Well, MacArthur wants to use the bomb again, as in Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. That would end the hostilities, bring peace immediately. Just drop the bomb on China. But Harry Truman fears that if we do that, Russia is going to enter and that we would lose Japan or Europe. Too much blood has been shed. Let's make peace. When it's all over, North Korea is in worse ruins than Japan. And all of this carnage is attributable to the father 
of the present ruler, or the, actually the grandfather now, both of whom desired, all of three of whom desired reunification of the Korean Peninsula at any price. They didn't care how many people were hurt over this. The South, South Korea, has not been angelic in its governmental systems through the years. We know that. But seeing communism close up during these evil war years confirms for decades that, for sure, they will not follow Marx and Lenin south of the DMZ. Despite a few college-age rabble-rousing types that are always there, and they always know more than their elders in Korea and throughout the world, that decision has held and is holding. But the threat of war continues, as I said, to this day. Something, surely, to pray about. Thanks again to Bradley Martin for the history from which I borrowed for this period. Next time we'll talk about North Korea martyrs. North Korea martyrs. Every Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be talking about North Korea, either its history, its present, uh, whatever, whatever comes to light. There are some things that are in the news this day. You can check one of my pictures online to show. I keep. I try to keep up with North Korea by pictures. Just go to this website, sermonaudio.com, and um, look under the pics, pictures, uh, albums, you know, photo albums, and then the very first album is got about 80-some pictures now and keeping you little by little up to date on what's going on in North Korea. I hope you will go there soon and check that out. Also, please subscribe to our daily podcast. Just click on the orange button and click on iTunes. I say daily, daily except Saturday at this point. Tomorrow, uh, wait, wait, before we go to tomorrow, Hackberry House Volume 1 is the book I was quoting from. And you can get that by going to createspace.com forward slash 3914024. If you don't want to go through all that, go to amazon.com, put Bob Faulkner there, bypass the little novels. That's not me, that's another Bob Faulkner. And find Hackberry House, Volume 1. I think you'll be glad to have this at your bedside and just read a little bit about North Korea. Every night, it's, it's, oh, there's well over 300 pieces in there. We're doing several at a time each week, but it won't get you through there very quickly, as quickly as you could by yourself. Tomorrow, we go back to the locusts that we're studying in Revelation. Who are and what are these locusts that are coming to a planet near you? They're coming here. They may be here already, hidden away somewhere, or in the pit of hell, as it seems to say in Revelation 9. Don't forget our scripture for today in Esther 7.4. This is Esther herself speaking to her husband who just happens to be the ruler of Persia. And she says, We have been sold, I and my people, to be killed, annihilated. Yes, we understand, Esther. God's people have always had that thing upon them. They won't always in the future, but they will until Jesus comes. That was the promise. It's nothing new, nothing unusual. We have been sold, sold out by governments, by families, by neighborhoods, 
people just don't like Jesus for the most part. Thank God he will come and judge the earth one day. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.